This is R.J. Rushdoony, Easy Chair Number 390, June the 24th, 1997. This evening, uh, Andrew Sandlin is not with us because he is at present in Johannesburg on his way tomorrow to Zambia for the conference there. Then uh, Douglas Murray and Mark Rushdoony are both tied up and unable to be with us this evening. However, we have someone from Australia, Nicholas Aroni, who will be sitting in as our panel of questioners. This evening it's my privilege to introduce to you my brother, Dr. Haig Rushdoony, and his wife, Vula Rushdoony. My brother is a retired professor, and Vula was a, a corporate executive, also retired. They are the founders and heads of Macedonian Outreach, working in the Balkans, especially in Bulgaria. They have an extensive uh, ministry there of a varied character and have uh, been influential in enabling uh, gypsies to form churches and leading them to Christ. So I believe there are about 30,000 Christians among the gypsies now. Is that correct? Yes, and uh, about 3,000 of those are a part of the Macedonian Outreach Ministry. Vula, Haig, we're very happy to have you with us. Would you tell us something about the work you're doing? Vula, why don't you start? Thank you, and it's indeed our pleasure to be able to uh, share with you tonight. We retired in uh, 1990 and 91, respectively, Haig first and then I followed. And with all four of our children already adults, we found ourselves with very little to do just staying at home. So we uh, literally got on our knees and asked the Lord to uh, use us if this was pleasing to him. And, uh, and he, of course, does not expect us to be always um, able, but he honors the availability of his people. And uh, miracles started to happen, and soon after this prayer, we find ourselves going with uh, a Greek pastor and his wife to Bulgaria. And this was back in uh, 1992, and the work has extended and is going on now in the sixth year. And from Bulgaria, the Lord opened doors into Albania, the former uh, Yugoslavia, and, uh, of course, in Greece, and recently into Romania. So we praise God for that. Now, just recently you were instrumental in getting how many tons of clothing <laughs> to uh, very needy people, Christians and others? Close to uh, three tons of clothing and shoes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have been shipping all alone clothing. However, when I was there in April, it was very cold and snowy, snowing. And uh, we realized that uh, the children were not able to go to school 
or uh, to church because they did not have shoes. And we had avoided sanding shoes because they are so heavy and the shipping is so expensive. So when we came home, that became a very large project in our community for um, shoes for Bulgarian children and especially among the uh, gypsy children. So since April, about 500 pounds of shoes went to uh, Bulgaria. The gypsies are new to Christ, are they not? Up until this time, there were very, very few Christians among them. That's right. Uh, the gypsies in Bulgaria, as well as the other prior communist countries, were very, very prejudiced against in their respective countries. They were segregated totally from the rest of the uh, people in that particular country and put out in, in villages uh, among themselves. And they were told that they were, they had no value. They were literally nothing. And uh, when the doors opened and communism fell and people came in with the gospel of the Lord, they were so impressed that someone, even uh, God in the uh, person of Jesus, would love them that they were not uh, receiving, getting enough of this, uh, of the good news. And so we saw in the very first year that we were there that over a thousand gypsies came to know the Lord as their personal Savior. In fact, we happened to be there uh, a year later on the day of Pentecost, and uh, gypsies came from all over the surrounding areas of Plovdiv, or Filipopolis, which is the second largest uh, city in uh, Bulgaria. And we all met in a big park, and we had an all-day service. We broke at lunchtime, and then in the afternoon, walked over to the river, and at that time, 160 of these dear folks were baptized in water. It was a very thrilling experience. This is something quite new, is it not, for gypsies to come to the faith because before World War II, it was a rarity, almost unheard of, but the horrors of persecution by the Nazis and then by the communists have shaken up the gypsies so they are ready to hear the gospel. That's right. And this is something very true and very few people know the fact that uh, the gypsies at the time of um, Hitler's uh, Germany, many, many thousands of them were also um, annihilated. Annihilated, correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. But not, not very many people on the outside world know that fact. So they were ready, and we are also very thankful because we're not there year-round that indigenous pastors, Bulgarian men that love the Lord, have become uh, shepherds, pastors to these gypsies. So we know that they are taken care of all year round, even if we're not there. Mm -hmm. And that is something I really thank God for. You have something to add to that? Yes, I remember the the first year we went over, and it was a hot summer day. This was August '92. There was a little sign posted in this village of maybe 600 people if there were that many, that there was going to be a, uh, a Greek evangelist and American lay missionaries coming to speak in this soccer field, 
which they call football back there. As we sat there, people started to come, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and it accumulated to over 1,200 people. And when they heard something they'd like, they would shout, almost like in a football game, Slava Naboga! Slava Naboga! Which in Bulgarian means, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And afterwards, it was 100 plus, they came to Vula when they found out that she knew Turkish, and most of these gypsies had originally come from Turkish, even though they were now third generation. But the older people, I remember this one lady, perspiring like mad, hugged Vula and said to her in Turkish, Now that I'm a Christian, your God is my God, and we're sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very uh, moving moment. These are Turkish gypsies, are they not, who were stranded uh, 50, 75 years ago in uh, Bulgaria. That's right. Now the records show that at least 350,000 Turks, whether they were gypsies or, or just Turks, we don't know the statistics, returned once the fall of communism occurred to Turkey. But most of the gypsies have remained there. Uh, incidentally, uh, the fact that you spoke Turkish was a point of contact. How many languages do you speak, Vula? Uh, actually, not as many as, as a lot of people, but I speak uh, fluent Greek because I was born and raised in uh, Greek Macedonia and uh, English. I speak a uh, very distinct Greek uh, dialect called the Pontian uh, dialect of Greek. And that has come in very handy with the uh, refugees in Greece that have come from uh, Russia and uh, the Republic of uh, Georgia. Mm -hmm. A little bit of Spanish and, of course, um, some Turkish. Mm -hmm. So I get by. (laughs) She gets by very well. Now, I understand there are real problems in Bulgaria which is an oil-producing and grain-producing country, that distribution is broken down. Is it difficult to buy gasoline or bread? We no longer drive there. We Initially, we would drive into Bulgaria, and unless you have a garage to put your car, you figure you won't see your car again. Uh, we were broken into the first time. Fortunately... Uh, we took our passports with us, but our Greek pastor and his wife did not. And their, their uh, many things were stolen. And uh, a second time, while I was in church, they were going to steal it again, and they caught them in, the, in, in, in sufficient time. That was uh, the second time the same day. Same day. <laughs> we used to pay, well, we paid close to $5 a gallon for gas in Greece, you know, because of the Turkish government and the UN, uh, the, uh, the Greeks cannot... Uh, extract oil from the Aegean, which is in their territory, because the Turks complained. So the UN does not permit them. So that all of their oil is imported. Bulgaria, because of the Black Sea, among other things, uh, was rich in oil. We were paying 80 cents a gallon. Now, since when we first went in, in 1992, the Leva, which is their exchange, was, I believe, something like 20 or 27 levels per dollar. Last fall, it was still 
Now, last, the last time I was there, which was 95 April, it was 70 to 1. When Bula went in in September, I was too ill and stayed behind. It had risen to 270 to 1. Then when we talked to the Armenian pastor in February, it had risen to 1,000 to 1. And you may recall that's the one time that Bulgaria hit the headlines because they were walking the streets, protesting. A person who had retired in 92 was getting the equivalent of $50 a month. Today his dollar, his income was now worth $8. They live in high-rise uh, apartments, you know, throughout Europe. So that means the heat is controlled by the owner of the apartment. So you're confronted, and as uh, the pastor told us in, in writing and later confirmed over the phone, all, all of their money was expended for gas, electricity, if you were retired, or a worker, the average worker, even in Bulgaria, today. And he had enough money to buy four loaves of bread the rest of the month. That's how critical the situation was. When I called this retired pastor on the phone, another one who worked with gypsies, different than the one Buddha talked about, he thanked me for the clothes we said. And he said, Brother Haig, can't you send us some food? We don't have any money to buy any food. And that literally broke our hearts. And we then, with God's grace, we, we did take the opportunity and we send the post office, let us send it as uh, uh, dry goods. We send them dry rice, for example, rice in packages. We send uh, dry soup, things like that. Four pound packages. It cost $21.60. It could not be more than four pounds. So we shipped them to six different pastors in Bulgaria. And it got through. So after that, we started to put them in the clothes. And then we found out the situation. Even the Armenian pastor who had a, a position, he was still young enough that he was he got no money from his uh, parishioners, but he was paid as a banker. And he had five people in his home. And they were, when we sent him peanut butter, it was like manna from heaven. So we had this big drive, food for <coughs> Bulgaria. And we raised over $10,000, I believe. And our secretary, Linda Applegate, went with Fula. And they took a cross and they bought food. And they took food and they took money. And it was distributed. Uh, the deacons of the churches signed for so many you know, loaves a week so that their money could be used for other things. So we took enough money for 55 villages to have bread for approximately a month. Then we also sent through a Bulgarian contact in Greece. That was in Central Europe. We also sent food for the Black Sea area to another congregation to help another 50 families. Uh, the Armenian community in the San Francisco Bay Area raised money on their genocide day, April 24th, so that we were able to help 200 Armenian families in Sofia, Bulgaria. We also learned that Albania was in the same dire straits we had a marvelous Greek pastor educated at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia who went across, got through the mafia in Albania, and fed 50 families with money that we sent over. He bought the food on the island of Crete, uh, pardon me, uh, Corfu, pardon me, and took it over. So those are some of the ways that we were able to get money across. And then we have since sent money. The Greeks have followed up with another uh, 
bit of money. We cannot directly send money into Albania and uh, Bulgaria because of the mafia. It will be just confiscated. So we do it through third parties. Hike mentioned about the uh, inflation of the uh, money. Uh, when uh, our secretary Linda and I were there with uh, money for food in April, their uh, money was now 1500 level to a dollar. That's after the election. After mm-hmm. the election. The, it went down. This man, Stolinov, who became, he was supposed to be a figurehead president, but he challenged the parliament, which was communist dominated. They call themselves social democrats, but they were the communists were in power in every key position. He challenged them, and the people joined Stolinov. They went in the streets of Sofia protesting because they couldn't survive mm-hmm. with the money they had, the everyday worker you know, had like enough money left for four loaves of bread That's and right. nothing else. That's right. So they went in the streets and he got the parliament. The elections were two years away to have the election in April. And that's why Linda and Bula went in ahead of time before the elections while things, we didn't know what would happen. You know, would they be, the elections be rigged? At any rate, the elections took place. The communists were booted out. The premier now became a non-communist. And immediately the drop, the level dropped from 3,000 to 1 to 1,550, and it's now 1,500. It's leveled off. It's still high compared to last fall, but at least now they have twice the money uh, to deal with than they had in February, so it's helped. I think this is important for everyone listening to know, because no matter how rich a country is in natural resources, and Bulgaria is rich in grain and rich in oil, and yet it's facing hunger and no gasoline. Yes, the cars are in the streets, sitting there now. They won't. Uh, they may steal your car, but they don't have enough money to, to uh, fill the gas tanks. Mm-hmm. This is how we, uh, through the support of our pastors, we give them money for transportation. That's part of the big need for them, see, because otherwise they couldn't survive. Well... This we don't read about in the newspapers, and it's important to know because the whole world is facing devastation through inflation. We ourselves are further on the road to inflation than uh, most people realize, and they keep talking about inflation being only 2% now, but I don't see how anyone who goes to a grocery store and shops can believe that. They can't buy it. You know, uh, feta cheese in Bulgaria is considered the finest feta cheese. The French may object, but it is considered the finest in the world. The Bulgarians don't have the money to buy it. No, mm-hmm. They can't afford it. They can't even... We uh, we tried, we stayed in one of the homes, and Vula and uh, some of the women decided, well, let's go buy some groceries. These people have been so gracious to, to feed us for six days. Now, it's mostly vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't buy meat. So they go to buy simple things like soap. They can't find it. There was no soap to be bought. Mm-hmm. Now, our ministry is bigger than what this is. We are supporting at least four pastors and I don't know how many deacons in Bulgaria on a quarterly or basis. We're helping children's ministries there uh, where they can now the, uh, they can get uh, children's Bibles. We've supplied probably more than any 
uh, organization, more Bibles for children and adults in Bulgaria. Uh, we are backing off of that right now because the International Bible Society has put out a pledge that it hopes to get a Bible in every Bulgarian home. But if people send it and designate it for that, we will use it for that purpose. We do help children's ministries there for the, uh, the, uh, the leaders to buy um, Bibles for children. They have tracts, materials, so they can act out Bible stories. Uh, a child who goes to uh, a session never leaves without having taken something home. It may be a Bible verse with a picture on it or a little tract that he or she can read, and they're reading to the parents because now they're being the educated right. children. That was a very, very wonderful sight in one of the villages where the grandparents are illiterate. And uh, just to watch the children now reading their Bible to the grandparents. Mm -hmm. That was very, very uh, rewarding. We had two big projects in the Bay Area. One church said they wanted to help build one of the Sunday school classes of, of one of the churches for the children. And so they asked me to write a book about children of Bulgaria, which I did. And we gave to every child at Christmas. Then another, and they that money helped build that Sunday school room in Bazajik, which is a city of 100,000. And another small church across the bay raised money the children did again the children not my not the adults for a library so we established through these two young these churches of young children uh, sixth grade on down we were able to they were able to build a Sunday school class equip it and have Christian literature in it another project that we've done uh, has been, to set up at least a half a dozen libraries, give them money to set up libraries for adults and children in terms of any spiritual, you know, be it Bibles, be it AIDS and so on, that they can, you know, borrow back and forth. Another thing we've done for the last two years uh, is supply money for them to have uh, seminars for their leaders, to train their leaders in the Bible to understand the Bible better and also to how to teach biblical truths and understand children. So 95 in November and again this last November, they've had sessions there. We've had two couples who've helped support, to our knowledge, the first gypsy young lady to attend uh, the university there and she's getting the highest grades in the entire university. And she is working with the children's ministries in three villages while she's going, attending the university. That is the most beautiful thing about this young woman who walks from her village to, to the other two and those to take care distance. of children's ministries. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas, would you like to ask some questions? Or, uh, yes, I, yes, I would actually. I've been so encouraged to uh, talk to you over these last few days about what you've been doing. And uh, what is striking to me is the, uh, the voice of hope that you express mm -hmm. and your confidence in the future. And yet at the same time, the realistic way you assess the situation there and uh, identify the true moral problems that exist in these countries. Um, inflation is a moral problem. Um, the theft of vehicles mm -hmm. is a moral problem. Um, the mafia controlling mm -hmm. these countries is a, a deeply troubling moral problem. 
Um, what is your long-term assessment of, um, of Bulgaria, not just Bulgaria, the other countries to which you, you minister? Um, well, what's the place in, of the church uh, as a whole? And, uh, and in so Bulgaria right now, the hope is that uh, the new government is truly democratic. But like any other venture, it takes time for things to be corrected. Uh, talking to our friends in Greece who just came back, we were told that for right now, springtime, they have their potato crop. So they have enough to get by through the summer. We do not know anything about uh, the fall. What has happened in Bulgaria is the fact that the government would not release the farmland to the people unless they happen to have the old papers that prove that that parcel belonged to the individual family. So the farmland can just sit there and not be given to people to work. On the other hand, the, the crops that the government itself, itself produces for its people were sold outside of Bulgaria after they, this is the old government, after they kept what they needed for themselves, then they even sold the emergency supply outside. And this is the reason why they are in this situation. Our hope is that um, because they are very hardworking people and they want to produce for themselves, our prayer and our hope is that the Christian world would pay attention, not, not only to us, but others that have been there and come out with the real picture. Because as um, Rusa said, you, you just don't get the, the whole picture in our newspapers or our news. But those of us that have seen it firsthand, we would want the Christian world to pay attention and come forward until such time where they will be on their own and they'll be able to take care of the situation. We've known of only 50 uh, Americans who've ever gone in in terms of anything spiritual in Bulgaria. The one thing as far as business that I know of is uh, computer people are going in now into Bulgaria. <coughs> one thing, and we'll finish on Bulgaria if you wish, I think we need to also commend the Armenians. We've dealt primarily with those in Sofia where there are only 2,000. There are Armenians throughout Bulgaria also. 6,000 Flodi, for example. But we've seen the priest and the pastor working jointly together. And it's, it's a marvelous thing where the Orthodox Church is so predominant there and it can control things. But the, the Armenian priest and the Armenian pastor are working hand in hand, and it's been a marvelous thing to, to, to witness. Uh -huh. I'd like to comment on something so our listeners understand what is involved. You spoke of the problem of farmers trying to prove title to what was their farm. This is true throughout Central Europe, and as far as I know, only the Czech Republic has come close to a solution. But when you've had 50 years or more of communism, everything has been seized and confiscated. You know that your farm or your house was there. But how are you going to prove it now? Everything belongs to the state. 
and you go and say, but that was our farm, that was our house. How can you prove it? So this is a nightmare throughout the whole of Central Europe. And it's one of the many, many nightmares when socialism takes over, it confiscates, it destroys, and all records end up burned, destroyed. How do you start over again? This is creating a terrible situation all through Central Europe. Now, of course, you've described just one or two aspects of your work there. The medical work, I know, is considerable. You've brought over very seriously wounded children to this country for surgery, and you've had a very broad and diverse ministry there. Do you want to tell us about a few of the aspects? In uh, 1993, there was... Uh a group from my hometown in Greece that was going with uh, clothing and food and medication into uh, Serbia. This was during the uh, war with uh, Bosnia. And uh, I asked if I could go with them as a Greek. And I did. And that was a miracle in itself, but I did. And my purpose of going was to visit the children's hospital in, uh, in Belgrade. And when I got there, uh, I had with me a, a priest and uh, two ladies from the Red Cross, all from Greece. What our eyes saw was unbelievable. And what was so shameful to me as an American was the fact that uh, as soon as the uh, personnel in the hospital found out that I was an American, they wanted to reassure me that they had nothing to do with the war, especially these children. And why did America take such a stand against Serbia? And couldn't I, didn't I realize by looking that some of these children were also from Bosnia and Croatia because the hospital is so large that they were bringing all the wounded from the other areas as well. And would I take pictures and bring them out to the United States just to prove that yes. Serbia was not the bad guy in this mm -hmm. war? And they were not taking care only of their children, but also the, from all sides. And what was so painful to me, especially as a mom, was the fact that because of the sanctions that America had put on Serbia, there was no medication in this hospital. Not even bandages. Not even bandages. And they took me to this little boy, three years old, who was totally burnt from his neck down. His whole body was charcoal. And the doctor said to me, take a picture of this and go show your people. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't even have an aspirin to give this child from for the pain. And he said, you know, this child is not even a Serbian. Mm -hmm. He's a Muslim, but we brought him in from the Bosnian side because this was his only chance. When I left that hospital, I promised the Lord that I would come out and tell what I saw, and that was the beginning of the medical part of our work. And praise God, we've had 14 children that have come out for 
heart surgeries. Who would have died otherwise. Who would have died otherwise. One of the children you saw and took a picture of, uh, the bones were sticking out of the flesh. That's right. And that child died before you could get the paperwork done. I know that uh, an American newspaper woman went over there and found that two doctors, both Serbian, had committed suicide because it was so nightmarish to see that suffering of little children and be unable to do a thing and to find that the nations that were supposed to be the good people of the world were frustrating every attempt to uh, send in medicine. When I came back from that trip, I was really upset and frustrated, and I thought, for sure, the Red Cross is going to come forward. So I called Washington, D.C., and I got to the main office of the Red Cross, and the gentleman that I talked to said, Mrs. Rashuni, we are just as frustrated as you are. Our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do. And I said, the Red Cross, since when do you take a political stand? And he said to me, since our president tells us that we cannot do anything. Mm-hmm. So that's where that stopped, and we really couldn't do anything <coughs> at the time but to try and bring these kids over. You've also done a great deal to get Bibles in the hands of pastors and Christians. Yes. And we forget that Bibles can be scarce in many parts of the world. That's right. We thank God for that, too. There were people in uh, the United States whose main concern, and rightfully so, uh, was the spiritual welfare of these people. And although our first uh, purpose as uh, becoming missionaries in the Balkans was to bring the Word of God to these people, we also find out that a person that is hungry or uh, cold without the proper clothing does not is not able to listen carefully. So that's when um, our work then was expanded to both spiritual and also physical, mm-hmm. as we uh, fed these people and uh, clothed them. Then we saw that uh, they were so accepting to listen to the Word of God. And every one of our gypsies in Bulgaria that needs a Bible, whether an adult or a child, has a Bible of their own. One of the problems there has been that uh, some American pastors and leaders have gone over there and seen the devastation the ruined churches, for example, bulldozed down by the Marxists, and they say, oh, uh, we'll do something about it. Go ahead and start rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And they come home and they forget all about it. Yes, uh, we had a personal experience. The One of the Bulgarian pastors telephoned us, which is costing them a fortune, pleaded with us, that this missionary had promised them several thousand dollars and the people went ahead and built the church. Vula tried twice calling them. This man even came to Switzerland, reassured the pastor he was coming, 
And at the time, we were just starting. We did. We hardly had any uh, money in the treasury. So we felt, as Christians and as Americans, we had to help these people. So I was old enough that I could take money out of my IRA. So I took money out of the IRA, donated to the outreach, and we send the money over. Then when we were over there, he said they need more money. And... I said, well, you know, I had to take it out of my IRA. I'll go ahead and take some more. Oh, no, no, I don't want you to do that. But we've had a beautiful letter from those people. They have built a beautiful church. But again, the Americans did not keep their word. Yes. They which is failed, very unfortunate. Which is unfortunate, you see. It, either we're a people, if we're supposed to be Christians, don't promise anything unless you're going to follow through with it. Or you've done more damage than good. And... Uh Russia, Central Europe, all through there. The number of missionaries and Bible-believing pastors who rushed in and promised to do great things and told them, go ahead and start, rebuild your church, we'll help you, and then forgot about them, has made the name of American Christianity anathema in many circles, and it's giving the old Soviet Union or Russia an excuse now to shut the door. Which they are doing. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. If you haven't been registered since, what was it, 1982, they're closing the door on the churches. That's right. Yeah. And that could happen in, in the Balkans. You know, the one thing, the one thing that the people have going for them, I think in Albania and in Bulgaria in particular, is religious freedom. They have nothing more. Mm-hmm. They do have that. And uh, our threefold purpose is very practical. We want to glorify God in all the spiritual things. We've mentioned many of them here. Uh, in, medically, which includes medicine now. We have a lot of people helping with medicine. Thank goodness for that, where before we couldn't even transport it. And then, of course, as Fula mentioned, in the physical part. The... the uh, we have been so amazed and yet we shouldn't. God works in mysterious ways. Uh, the paradox of the first cases of medical, for six months, we had circulated through another organization uh, names of ten critical patients from the hospital in Belgrade. Vola remembers. One died before we could ever help. And while we were in Greece, we received... Uh, a fax from our secretary called God Works in Mysterious Ways and that was the theme of the article we put in the Calcedon some years ago. Of all places, Arkansas Children's Hospital opened the doors and when we came back, the doctor called me and he said, hey, please, promise me you won't publicize this because the Clinton administration doesn't want us and here we are in Arkansas in his state and we're the ones bringing the first kids over. was God's sense of humor. Yeah, that that's where we say God's sense of humor. Interestingly enough, we said nothing till the media got a hold of it. And of course, then it was all over. It was videoed all over the country and everything. You know, and so that was the beginning of the, the medical. And uh, Vula mentioned that little Bosnian child. When we were back, was it last year, we found out that they saved his life in spite of sanctions and he went back to Bosnia. I trust that he wasn't killed in the war. The child that was, you know, practically nothing but a dandy. 
uh, another one of our countries is Albania, and we really thank God because um, because Albania had suffered the worst of all the other countries and was uh, communist the longest time as well. Uh, most attention is paid to Albania, and that's okay. Uh, a country of just a little over two million people has about 500 missionaries. And of course, with the latest with the civil war, a lot of the missionaries have come out and escaped to neighboring countries. And although civil wars are, are terrible, in this particular instance, however, some of these missionaries have seen the need in Yugoslavia, Macedonia, and some uh, in Bosnia and Serbia, and they decided to stay in those countries as missionaries. So mm -hmm. this was one opportunity where they... Uh, <coughs> Albania is a country that um, my heart, uh, before, before communism fell, was uh, crying for. Because as a Greek during the Civil War in the early 40s, I knew that children my age were stolen from Greece and taken over the border into Albania to, by Greeks, by Greek communists, so that they grow up to become better communists. And we always wondered what happened to these thousands of kids. And I always wanted to go into Albania, uh, now that it was open to the Western world. And God allowed that the second year of our, our ministry. We did go. We did go in with a lot of help, material, uh, physical, spiritual help. But the Lord um, pointed out to us that because so much help is already there, our my curiosity was satisfied. And uh, the only part of, of our work in Albania now is sending clothing that cannot go directly, but there's a pastor, like I mentioned, in Corfu, who takes in the clothing and food. Another part of the ministry is with uh, a large amount of refugees in Greece. And the point I really want to make known to people is the fact that for the last five years there's a civil war going in in the Republic, going on in the Republic of Georgia. Not in the big cities, but in the villages and towns. Very few people know. Yes. Thousands of people have been murdered, butchered, and thousands of people then Christians have... Christians now. Yes. Right. This is, Christians, not this the Muslims. This civil war Muslim is the Christian, Christian. Yes. the religious war, what yes. it is. As a result of that, in Greece alone, in northern Greece, <coughs> we have... 30 to 40,000 elderly and women and children living in barracks and Kwanzaa huts and about 500 orphan children that were able to come from Georgia into Greece and these are Armenians and Greeks and uh, the man that heard about this in Canada and left everything and went to Greece, was an orphan from our Greek Civil War time, who when he heard the story, her heart, his heart was so broken that he took his wife and back to Greece, and now he's a full-time missionary to these people.
We work very closely with them. Uh, Macedonian Outreach supports uh, 10 children. We would love to be able to support more, more. But one good thing is that we are able to send a lot of clothing there. And whenever we are on our mission trip, then we literally take food over from home to home mm-hmm. and from barrack to barrack. What most people don't realize, you mentioned the Georgians as Christians. Originally, the uh, Georgians were a part of the uh, Church of Armenia. Yes. And when uh, they became a part of the Russian Empire, they decided it would be politically wiser to become a part of the Russian Orthodox Church. Very, very few people in the world are aware of the fact that at one time the Church of Armenia, uh, which is not uh, Catholic nor Orthodox, but uh, was comparable to the Church of England, had uh, churches clear across Central Asia into China. And... uh, quite a new uh, a number of churches in China as well as all that area in between but by the time of Tamerlane beginning with the Mongol hordes that raced across and took over Russia those churches were obliterated but at one time the missionary uh, power and extension of the Church of Armenia was staggering, and yet nobody has ever bothered to uh, chart that story. Can you imagine a church from Asia Minor into China with all the area in between? Countless people from that church are now in heaven. And it is time that it was recognized. Mm -hmm. At one time, the kingdom of Armenia, as these... uh, Various uh, churches were destroyed and the peoples obliterated. Became a refugee kingdom for people from all over Asia, Christians who were able to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that, uh, as we move into the refugee camps, you asked earlier about Fulda's language. Of course, her Pontiaca comes in handy there because these are maybe third generations out of Turkey, Greeks and Armenians who escaped, went into Russia, Georgia, Armenia. Many then spilled over into Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we're getting many into northern Greece. So this is where my Armenian has come in mm-hmm. handy. And most of the, as you know, just as Greeks, most of the Armenians and Greeks are Orthodox. And I've tried to build bridges. And in talking with them and telling them about our background, which was both Orthodox mm-hmm. and Vulas and uh, uh, Evangelical. And without exception, every Armenian family we visited, and mind you, many of these people until five years ago could not dare go to church. Or they would lose their jobs. They said without exception to me, God bless you, everyone as I spoke to them in Armenian. And it's just been a joy. We get so much going there. Uh, I, I, I recall the one time where we we met this elderly couple, and this man said, 
I was, I could, I'm an artisan, and I couldn't work in Armenia. There was no work. So I came here. Now I don't know the language. I can't do anything. So we try to help the family out. So we give the, mo- the mother the, mo- uh, the food, and she says, I, I, I don't want you to... Now, mind you, these are people without Christian backgrounds who are looking out for one another. And she says to, to Vula later that, Oh, uh, do you, would you be offended if I gave this to my uh, brother's daughter? Her husband was a, an officer in the Armenian army, and he was killed. And she has three young children. She has nothing. So we promised to come back two weeks later, and we went to visit her. And we did. But this is the way they think. They want to help each other. It's just been so overwhelming. Another thing in Albania that we should mention is that we do help an indigenous young Greek missionary over there on a quarterly basis. He has used the money sometimes for medical needs, for whatever the needs are. We never put a, you know, any... And then we helped last summer the Greeks have their first indigenous uh, church camp there in Albania, in southern Albania. So uh, we've we've tried to help in that way. Uh, Nicholas, do you have a question? It's extraordinary how much you've done in such a short time with so little money. Um, What are the keys to doing that? And uh, what can we do as Christians, fellow Christians in the West, to support your work and to support the other good works that are being done through Central Europe? Well, the most important thing, of course, is that uh, we all pray for these people. That uh, there's so much work to be done that the Lord would send workers. Then I feel, as Christians, it is our responsibility to meet the need, whether it's uh, physical or spiritual or medical. We could have been in their place but it's only by God's grace that we're not. In fact, I have people that say to me, how could you do it? How can your heart take it? And uh, it's not easy. In fact, on this last trip, where there's so much hunger in Bulgaria, this was just now in April, and uh, my heart was breaking. And of course, Satan likes to fight you, and I could almost hear him say, what difference can you make in this vast need? And our Lord's gentle voice was, like in Matthew 25, Mm -hmm. I didn't say for you to do it for all of them, but as long as you do it for one of the least of these, it says you do it for me. Mm -hmm. So what can the rest of the Christians come do? They can, all of you cannot come with us on these trips, but uh, in the name of... uh, the Lord, who loves everyone, no matter where or who they are, whatever you can do with uh, your uh, material, monetary help, we will be very uh, careful and conscientiously uh, to spend it to meet all these needs as long as we can. We promise the Lord that as long as we are able we will be available for him to use us. We do not, no person gets uh, any money for helping. Uh, we have uh, 16 intercessory prayer people. We have a committee of uh, 
doctors who review cases at no cost, sometimes cost to them for mailings and so on. We have com- uh, we have a computer committee. All of, like that. all of us are volunteers. All volunteers. Hagen Vula put their own money into this work so that uh, they are the biggest donors to the work of Macedonian Outreach. Now, Macedonian Outreach is a part of Chalcedon. That's right. Correct. You can uh, make donations to it uh, either to Chalcedon and let us know you want this to go to Macedonian Outreach or you can make it directly to Macedonian Outreach but put in parentheses after it Chalcedon so IRS if there's any audit will know that it's uh, the uh, tax exempt uh, parent group now what is the address if they send it to Macedonian if, if, Outreach if they do the address is P.O. Box 398 Danville that's D as in David A-N V as in Victor I-double-L-E California 94526-0398 and you can uh, if you don't designate it then that gives us the liberty to use it where needed but if you feel a need uh, to designate it for shipping clothes uh, which runs two three thousand dollars a month or if you want to designate it for Bibles or whatever that's up to you we honor whatever you say yes. If you are going to designate it, don't do it on the check, but on a separate sheet yeah, for exactly. uh, IRS's will, purposes. You will receive a receipt, and yeah. we have the same. We use the same IRS number that Calcedon does. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and God bless you. And thank you very much. Thank it was you. our pleasure. Yes, indeed. Hmm. Thank God. <laughs>